Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. This episode is sponsored by 3PL Systems, TMS Transportation Management Software. If you're looking for a TMS, definitely go check out 3PLSystems.com. But I am excited to share an interview with Maria Spector. She is the Director of Social Media over at Social Chain. Very smart woman. She's actually a spin instructor as well for a side hustle. But she's really great at sharing uh, actionable content on LinkedIn, how to grow a following. She's got close to 5,000 followers. She had also started a a podcast as well. So she's definitely a go-getter. But it's really interesting because we get into all sorts of things, including like branding, copywriting, all that kind of stuff. But what I found really interesting is she actually got her current role by reaching out to someone at her current company to ask for coffee. And they said, hey, actually, we're hiring. And that actually allowed Maria to go in there and get a, a gig kind of through a back channel. So I th- I find that to be really interesting that a lot of people are using social media to get career changes, start their own businesses, whatever it might be. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Maria. And thanks for listening. Hey, Maria, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to have you. I know that you're a social media director. I follow your content on LinkedIn. That's how we actually connected. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about storytelling, copywriting, branding, you know, just digital, all everything like digital marketing and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But for those people that don't know you, would you mind just introducing yourself? Yeah, I would love to. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for having me on. Um, we actually got connected on LinkedIn, which is really cool. I think it just kind of is such a true testament to like the importance of community and I think my personal branding goals um, just in general. But for those that don't know, and obviously I assume most people that listen to this, um, my name is Maria. So I'm currently a social media director over at Social Chain Agency. So we actually initially started out in the UK by Stephen Bartlett. He's the guy that runs Diary of a CEO, like super young entrepreneur. I know a lot of people kind of follow his content and he branched out over into the US, which is really cool. He, um, I believe, stepped away like right before my time, but it's really cool being connected to an agency that's like global and you get to work on some really, really cool brands. On the side, I actually teach spin and then I'm like going through like strategy courses right now. And then I just like pick up a ton of like other hobbies, I think day in and day out. I'm like happy to dive in into like the storytelling aspect of it and how you and I got connected or if you want to kind of start somewhere else. Yeah, no, I mean, I wanted, I'd love to talk about storytelling. So we could, we can kind of start there if you'd like. It It is interesting because I do feel like there's a, a lot of opportunity for storytelling within B2B companies. I don't think a lot of companies do a great job of telling a story. And there, I know there's that one framework, like the hero's journey. Any thoughts on like storytelling and, and I guess, I guess just B2B, do you think that it's used pretty well? Or do you think that there's more people that could use it a little bit like other marketing teams? Yeah, I think that for B2B specifically, I've worked kind of both in-house agency, B2B, B2C, D2C, so kind of all over the place. Oh, wow. For B2B, what I've noticed is I think that they have a really hard time in terms of like storytelling. I think a lot of these B2B brands, they primarily focus on the aspect of like their product, right? They're not telling you why I need my product, but they're like just shoving it down my face. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, right, you kind of touch upon this, right? Is like there's that framework of A, the hero journey, and then um, B, kind of like you're about. So like, who are you, how you started, like, why, what is your mission and vision, vision, like, what are your values? And then obviously that hero journey too, right? So it's like you or I who's using that product for our small business, how can we use it in our day to day? How can it make us more efficient? All of that. So it's like really bringing all those pieces to life versus saying, Hey, buy my thing. That's fair. And there's like a lot that's lacking with it. Yeah, it's funny because like, I remember actually seeing like a lot of like sales pitch decks back for like B2B and a lot of them would be like, we got like $50 million in funding. We have like 400 people that work in this office. And then we have another hundred people that work in this office. And 
the hero seems to always be at least the slide decks that I've seen about like the actual company and not like making the customer the hero. Because in all reality, the customer is supposed to be more of the hero, I believe. And then like, then I would say that the company is more like Obi Wan Kenobi. They're more of like the guide to actually get that hero like along that journey. But it's funny how like a lot of people make it about them for some reason. I don't know if you've picked up on that as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It was interesting. I worked at my last company. We were like a SaaS and SaaS quote unquote B2B brand. I always felt like we were a little bit more like B2C, but we took our like entrepreneurs as like the product in themselves because they were selling like if you were like a ghostwriting business, right? You are the business and you are using our platform to essentially like promote your product. And so for us, like a core piece of our like social media strategy was literally these hero stories. So everything that we did, whether it was like, black women in business, whether it was like women in business, whether it was like diversifying different styles of entrepreneurship and or quote unquote, these like businesses, like everything came down to a story, right? Because we as an individual have this story to tell. We are a product. We have a lot of things that we, or we essentially create products, right? For others who are also dealing with this, we find like a gap in the market. And so those stories essentially converted because if you're telling me for your, whatever, I keep going back to ghostwriting because I've just been like, been in some like ghostwriters on LinkedIn, but for them, they're they're looking at, I found that these CEOs are super busy. There's a um, hole in the market. Like I'm going to create this one thing and it's this ghostwriting business to essentially talk about the value of taking back your time, right? So you can focus on the big thing. So then they can thrive in that small business. Um, but again, they start with a lot of storytelling. They start by what they found in the market, how ghostwriting has helped them and how they've helped like other consumers. But it's never about the like, you just need my service. Yeah, it's fair. And it's interesting too, because I feel like there's been a, a couple examples of pretty good user-generated content. I think Airbnb had some that I've noticed. And then also, I want to say Apple with their iPhone. They were having a lot, of, you know, that series where people were taking pictures of like different places around the world with their iPhone. And they were like beautiful pictures and just kind of showing you what you could actually do with like the iPhone. But I think that idea of like user-generated content where people are just writing about your brand is like really underutilized as well. I guess like not every brand probably has enough users or that opportunity to make that happen. But if you do, it'd be interesting to see if like you could take either the personal brands within each company, like each player in your in your team to like basically promote the brand through them or also just like user generated content as well. Any thoughts on that? People want to buy from people or people trust people. So I think ultimately there's always going to be a way for bigger brands, bigger conglomerates to utilize those people's stories. Because again, it's about like building that authenticity, building that trust, right? Like again, really diving into those stories, bringing that like brand awareness up to play. And then from there on, that final person is going to find a reason why they want to invest in your business. It just should be a huge part of like any strategy, like for either social and or business. I like to the points you brought up there, the trust and then the authenticity. How do you, I think the trust comes from showing up over time and just sort of being there, like when people expect you to be there on, on social media. And then I guess authenticity would be like using your, I guess, voice in a certain way that it's, that suits you. How, how would you describe those two things? The more I kind of like poke into storytelling, the more I realized something. So storytelling itself will release like a sense of like oxy oxytocin. So like the happy, happy hormones, right? Like in the brain. Mm -hmm. So what that does is it for the end consumer or myself, whatever, it brings a certain like togetherness. That togetherness allows that end consumer to essentially live through your experience, live through kind of um, your eyeballs, right? And puts the audience into that story. And so I think that's where 
the person that's actually telling the story has a genuine opportunity to be authentic, right? Be relatable, tell that story, like stay as authentic as possible to themselves, because that puts that end viewer and reader and whatever, again, into their into their world, right? And because after that, right, that curiosity is going to build. So that curiosity is going to be that like fundamental piece of like why people want to like listen to you. And so they're going to continue coming back. They're going to continue want to wanting to listen to that story. They're going to coming be coming back for that authentic piece of content. But the second that you step away from that and you try to be as like scripted because you're trying to fit some sort sort of niche, people will always see through it. Think about yourself as like a storyteller, as a friend, as a husband, wife, whatever you want to be as honest and as truthful as possible otherwise people are going to see right through you they know you they they want to be or they want to know more about your story because again they relate they want somebody to like tap in their deepest darkest like insecurities or experiences so they can feel like somebody else is going through the same thing yeah 100 percent. there's actually a juice place i like out here in malibu called sun life organics and the guy that actually created that that juice bar he's got one in austin and one in malibu he's got a couple of them but he wrote a book about like how like he went through like this whole like drug experience and you know got addicted to I think like a uh, heroin and how he came out of it and then he became like this guy that sells like juices and whatnot. But it's funny because that story really works for him because every time like you just remember him being that guy. I mean I don't know if know if I'd necessarily be one known for that particular thing, but at the same time it it works you know because when you go to the store and something happens when you're out for your day everyone comes back and you remember those small little things that happened throughout that experience, whatever happened throughout your day. So I, I think it's really powerful because I think as humans, we're all sort of storytelling machines, if you will. Yeah. And think about like Disney, for example, right? Like they're built on stories. I mean, they're built on like, think about like even the beginning of like up or thinking about the beginning of the Lion King. All of those are like emotional stories that you like relate to, right? It's like losing your dad and the up and coming of being the, you know, this leader in a group and facing, you know, that imposter syndrome and all that. Like people can relate to it, whether or not it's a cartoon, but it's ultimately still a story. It's a story that's very, very authentic to like the human struggle. Yeah, 100%. And I, I really resonate too with the ones that are authentic. Like you said, you can kind of smell out the ones that are just sort of fluffing, making themselves look better. Or I think that it really comes down to like, you want the dirt, like on like the future state of like where they're at now, like with, you know, whatever it might be that success is awesome. But like, how did you get there? And like, what were like the fuck ups to make you actually get to that point that actually made you successful? Because I think mm -hmm. that the, a lot of the times in social media, you'll just see people like in, you know, the backstage of a concert or like going on a jet or something like that. But you're like, well, like, what's like the, the rest of the story and like how you actually got there or, you know what I mean? And I think that's what people are after. They're after that, that one to two steps ahead of how am I going to get better at whatever it is that I'm doing and how are you going to show me how to do it? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like that search of like the validation, right? The validation to say, hey, I can do the same thing and or the validation for the storyteller themselves to say, hey, what I'm doing is like actually feeding the end consumer and it's really gaining like more traction. But it's hard because I think social media is kind of like this like double-edged sword where on one end on certain platforms, it's the best part of life, the best part of life. So for Instagram itself, it's everything's curated, everything is perfect. And that's why people gravitated towards like TikTok because they were like, oh, this is grainy. This is authentic. This is 15 second snippets of people's and brands' stories where they didn't really have the time to essentially like mold and curate this like algorithm. And then that's why like, again, and then there's LinkedIn where it's literally long form copy and content where you thrive by telling those stories you thrive by 
talking about imposter syndrome, by the talking about those failures, talking about the ways that you had failed in your business. Because again, you realize that there's so many people that want to do the same things you're doing. They fail after a month and then that's it. They go back to their normal, like every day, day to day, whatever. But they don't realize that somebody who is at that cool concert or is on that yacht spent the last like 27 months. I don't know why I said 27, but 27 months, like grinding it out, not sleeping again, not promoting hustle culture, but for them, that was their success story. Like it wasn't rainbows and butterflies. They might have lost a house. They might've been in debt. They might still be in debt, but they're making it work and they want to let people know that it's okay. And they made it. Sure. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about personal branding too. And I think copywriting will come as a result of that as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. But as far as like personal branding go, like what what made you decide to sort of, sort of um, branch out on LinkedIn and start creating content? Because I, I'm a fan and I'm a fan of like dark social and just getting a lot of opportunities through, through content. And I, I think that it's sort of a... I don't want to say underused because there's clearly like a lot of people using, but it's something like 30 million people on LinkedIn daily and maybe like 0.1% of people are actually posting content daily. So it's still a fairly small number. How did like what sparked you to do it and how did you get that like content bug for lack of better words? Yeah. So I've been a LinkedIn user for quite some time and I feel like most of my career jumps and whatnot have actually come through LinkedIn. A lot of incredible people I've connected with have been through LinkedIn. And I'd love to tell a story kind of of my LinkedIn trajectory in terms of like where it kind of like landed me this job now. So ultimately about five years ago, I had gone to Social Media Week LA. I was working for an agency, another like medical agency, and we had the opportunity to go. I connected with one of the speakers who I was actually really, really moved by. He was an old managing director of um, social chain now. So the company that I'm at, um, he had moved on to work with like web, uh, web three and whatnot. So super excited for him and we're still connected, but ultimately like a couple of years later, I had reached out to him to look over this social strategy. So mind you mind the time gap, right? Five years we've been connected. I've been seeing his content, um, engaging with it lightly Five years later, I reached out to him to just be like, hey, I've got the strategy. Would love to pick your brain because I'm working through LinkedIn. He's like, absolutely. Email me. We got on a call for 30 minutes, talked through it, picked his brain, got off the call. I forgot to email him. Emailed him a thank you literally two months later. And he was like, you know what? Replied so fast. He was like, you know what? You're welcome anytime. By the way, we have social media positions open. Dang. Now I had eyed <laughs> this agency, right? And I was like, and I had eyed this agency for so long. So I was like, um, um don't <laughs> excuse have to me. <laughs> I was like shocked because I was like, this was the agency that I kept hearing about. Like he was like, for me in my eyes, I'm like, oh my God, he's like this content god that I've been following for so long, like amazing speaker. Like, I don't care what it takes, I'll just talk to you. Sure. So, and then fast forward now, um, about a year and a half later, I'm still at the company and currently the, uh, like a social director here. So it's just, it's such a true testament to like, understand that through LinkedIn, through these connections, right. You can, without really having a personal brand, like a light one for me at that point, right. Like I was able to like really utilize that power of the platform and get something really great out of it. And like truly just like grow as a leader. Now, I think a lot of that could have happened sooner in my career if I started my personal brand like four or so years ago. And mind you, I had already like like off my so I had, you know, the the header, the descriptors, I had the right hashtags, I had my career resume laid out, I had my link to my portfolio. So all of that I was already like working on, right? And those are the first steps. But I mm. never dug any deeper. Like I felt like I was really missing the gap of 
following the right people, engaging with the right people, using it as a social network versus being the like 99% of people that actually lurk. And that was a great stat that you brought up. It was like in 22, LinkedIn reported that it was 1,000, it was like 1% of the 28 million users I think they have are the ones that are creators. Double check that number. I looked into it, but it is 1%. I just can't remember the millions of its users. Yeah. It's a small number essentially, right? Which is... Yes. Yeah, it's like a massive opportunity, like when you see it that way, when, you know, just the amount of people that aren't really doing much. But for those people that haven't like started yet, for whatever reason, I always say to like start small, like maybe just go comment on other people's posts, you know, do stuff like that. But when you're thinking about like your audience, like how many things do you want to be like known for, I guess? Or like what what are some of the things that you think about when you're like writing about it? Do you have like a, a couple buckets that you go into? I tend to talk about, I think, like copywriting lately, psychology. I shouldn't shift, but I think <laughs> as time goes on, I think some of the stuff and some of my interests shift. So like, I think that people, I try to stay consistent with whatever it is that I'm doing. I try to pick like three or four things and continually write about them. But I obviously we're human and things change. But what are some of the things that you're writing about? Or like, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Or how would you advise people to think about that? Yeah, no, I love this question. Um, I'm actually doing a presentation on personal branding tomorrow at work. So I'm oh, so wow. excited. This is so top of mind. <laughs> I do want to first start out with for anybody that's out there and has been like looking at the right post button, just fucking do it. Sorry if I can't cuss, but that's just do it. Cuss. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> but just do it. like imposter syndrome is huge on the platform. I think a lot of people are like, what if like why would anybody want to listen to me? Right. Mm -hmm. Who am I to be giving either social media advice, psychology advice, whatever advice, because maybe I hadn't gone and gotten the training or whatever. But sure. the whole aura of personal branding is that it's like brand you and like every single person has like that personal brand. So it's really like kind of getting out of your own head and realizing that you are your own authentic like presentation. So and it's really not about your title, right? It's about what value you can offer. Like, what is your mark of excellence? What makes you distinctly you? For me, what I found is, so in social, right? Like what interests me? Right now in this director position, I've been really, really obsessed with like thought leadership, mentorship, obviously social media and like growing in that space. I've always been super supportive or like I have loved like giving people content and essentially like anybody that's below me to be like, Hey, these are the blogs you need to read here, are the resources. And over time I've put these documents together. Community building has been a huge one for me. And so what I did is I listed out all of these things that I was interested in, in terms of just my career, right? Career life, like whether it's the, the hobby side of things, like the quote unquote side hustle, right? Bringing in extra income or whether it being like that social media space, I wrote everything out and then I bucketed things. So I put everything into like three different buckets. And for me, it was, it's talking about um, social media as a whole. So social media news, updates, resources, then thought leadership and mentorship. So how I grow my teams, um, what has worked in terms of like communication styles, um, feedback loops, all of that. And then last but not least, like trends. So anything that's been popping up, like for me, it's, I'm talking about social. So what is happening, right? Like, um, is there something we can hop into? Like the, the one that's most relevant is going to be the Rihanna holding the football for, you know, the Super Bowl. Obviously there's like a lot of legality around that because of her tattoos and those are identified, right? It's like talking about that, like, should brands be using it? Should they not? Because I want to be in that go-to resource for people to think about social media and think of me like, oh, I can go to Maria's LinkedIn and essentially find what's going to work for my brand, find the latest update, get the news and or chat with her about like this question I have in terms of my strategy or whatever. Like I want to give back 
more than I'm receiving, I think from like others. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm out there and I'm like soaking up all the information, whether it's from you, whether it's from like Luke Matthews, Matt, uh, Matt Barker, like there's all these others that are amazing on the platform. I just like ultimately want to give back. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think for me, it's the goal is to be featured and to be that resource. Right. And so this is it right now, right here, this conversation, I've achieved part of my goal. It's to get more like get more so on these podcasts with individuals I probably wouldn't have met in real life. Yeah. 100%. And so, yeah. So yeah. for me, it's just really kind of honing in on those three things. It's interesting too, because when you write about those things consistently over time, people start realizing that that's what Marie does and people will go to you for those specific things and stuff like this will happen. So it is interesting, like how, I guess it's like on some sort of spiritual level, like when you put things out into the universe, usually those things will come back to you in some sort of way if like you work at them for a while for whatever. And you'll find yourself with all sorts of opportunities. I think sometimes when you get, I don't know if you feel this way as well, but sometimes with the new opportunities, it can be a little bit like when you don't know someone and you don't know what what to expect, it can be a little nerve wracking at first. So I, I encourage people also to just like, if you do get opportunities, just go for them and see where it leads. Would you agree? Because sometimes I think yeah. people might overthink things and be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the person that should be this. I'm not the expert. I think a lot of people get trapped in their head with their own thoughts for whatever reason, which is yeah. a terrible place to be because I've been there many times. Rejection is hard rejection ultimately makes us want to quit i think it is rejection i think psychologically basically tells us that we're just doing something wrong and for me it's funny that i'm gonna bring spin into this but like one of the things i talk about like while i'm teaching in terms of like when it's rough we're 75 through class everybody's like burnt like 600 calories and like can't even breathe anymore for <laughs> me i try to like teach them to reframe failure so like in my classes i want everybody to fail i want them to come in take it to that 150%, do what they've got to do because it's always going to get harder before it gets easier, right? And so ultimately what happens then is I push them all the way to their boundary. When they're about to break, I get up to them on that bike and I just see them like, I literally think like their poor eyeballs are going to pop out of their head because they're so tired, but like <laughs> they'll never know unless they try and unless they push, unless they take it there. And I take that piece of advice and that kind of like quote unquote strategy into like where I see like opportunities, where I see um, like copywriting content, whatever. It's like both of your shit is probably going to flop. I'm mm. sorry to say it, but it probably will. But at the end of the day, all it takes is like one person or one individual or one opportunity to A, either launch your career or B, either change somebody's life. So what is it that you're seeking from, I guess, like these opportunities that you jump in on or these um, things that you want to do and then go from there. And again, I just always recommend people just like trying and going for it. And it, again, they get stronger, right? Like practice. It's it's about practice, not perfection. Yeah, there's um, I do want to talk to you a little bit about copywriting, because I think that yeah. going back to your point, like I think a lot of people are going to write a lot of shitty content and then, you know, some of it will flop, some of it will be good. It's not really about like the likes or the, you know, like the engagement, obviously you want that, but I think at first it's more about like the consistency and clearing your thoughts. But I, I don't know if you follow this guy named Eddie, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Schleiner, he's founder of very good copy. He wrote a post the other day that I thought was just super cool. It said something to the effect of be a ruthless editor and then a careless artist. And I thought that that was really interesting because I think a lot of the times when you're writing, it should be from like a very creative place where it's just sort of like flowing when you're editing. Like I used to be terrible at that, but just like sitting back and just chopping the fuck out of it and getting rid of all like the bullshit words and the fluff. 
So I don't, I don't know what yeah. your thoughts are on that, but like, it's almost like these two sides of your brain, right? Like you got like the creative artist side of your brain and then you got like that analytical side and you kind of need to make both of those talk into that art and science of like copywriting. So just curious to see what your thoughts on, or if you, what your process is and anything about copywriting that you've noticed. I actually agree. And I love that quote. I don't follow him, but um, I'm going to have to get a link and his name again from you. Cause I'm going to forget in a hot second. Sure. No, of course. But in terms of like copywriting, so I've always loved to write, but I've always hated to edit. So my big, the one thing I've always been told in my entire career has always been to like slow down and recheck my work because my brain moves a million times, like a million miles an hour. So I always just made, <laughs> literally just made like dumb errors over and over. like a stupid mistake, like a stupid spelling error that I could have caught if I just reread it, but I'm like way too lazy to reread it, reread it because I'd rather do 10 more things. Sure. I'm with you. I'm in the same boat sometimes until, yeah. I, until I, someone calls me out on it, then I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's hard. <laughs> When you're in marketing, all you do is like write all day, every day. And your eyes just start to bleed. Like everything yeah. just starts looking the same. No, I think for me, like it's been, a, it's been a big pain point in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, some grammar and spelling and whatnot. But in like the last, like last few years, I've like really kind of honed into it and like really just been like so proficient in everything I've done. But again, it's practice. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of practice, a lot of feedback. And it's a lot of not being discouraged by that feedback, right? As you're younger through that career. So I think for me, it's one, it's, it's finding a lot of tools that are going to help me in my writing process. So there's a lot of tools online that'll help you like write hooks, power words. There is like Grammarly for like grammar and spelling and all that. So those are going to be helpful in any kind of like copywriting journey. Um, that's for basic writing. Another big thing for people to remember is that like your first draft will never be your last draft. Write it all down. Whatever you have happening in that mind, so, like put it down on your notes page, put it down on a Word doc, maybe walk away from five minutes, come back and you're going to have a new vision for it. From there, it's a little dependent on what you're writing for. So, right. So if people are looking at here's my strategy for like LinkedIn, right? So if I'm looking at LinkedIn and I want to write like the most converting content that like relates within my, um, within my buckets, what I did initially was like, I studied creators that I really kind of like loved. So uh, creators in my niche that I knew were converting, were doing what I wanted to do. So I was studying their hooks. Like what were they writing? How were they writing? You know, how were they structuring? Were they saying theory reasons for X, Y, Z, or were they saying like the best, something, something, something. Mm -hmm. Were they talking about outcomes, obstacles, misconceptions, whatever they were talking about, I was trying to emulate. Again, not copying, but using it as a template. 90% of your, your content, for example, on LinkedIn is probably going to be within that hook. And then you want to focus on your meat and potatoes. So like that body, right? So it's finding what works for your audience. So like really understanding who the quote unquote unique listener is, the unique viewer is, and catering your content to them. Like what is your goal, right? Who are you trying to quote unquote convert? That meat and potatoes, like for me, what works is like long form copy. I think I think BuzzFeed a couple of years ago coined this as like broetry. It's so lame and I hate it and I do it. It's not wrong. I know I just the name cracks me up. <laughs> It, yeah, it's so it was so funny. I remember when I was doing research for this like presentation that I have for personal branding, like that was a thing that came up and I was like, I am a bro. I am a cis white male bro. Like I hated myself. <laughs> but it's what works on the platform. It what's it's what feeds the algorithm. And obviously some things change. For others, literally what works is a meme and a small headline, right? That's just not what my 
users usually engage with. Like it does work a couple times, but for the most part, they love the long form copy, no video, no images, no nothing, three hashtags. And then last but not least, um, there's like the CTA. I've seen a lot of people talking about like a CTA and then adding like a PS, something to the, that doesn't sure. relate to your posts. So like PS, by the way, I'm sitting in a barbershop right now, like reading yeah. this or writing this. Sure. I saw another one where um, a ghostwriter was talking about fabricated this full story using all those tactics. And then the end he goes, P.S. This whole story is not real. <laughs> Thanks for anybody that came to the end. Oh so I was God. commenting and I was like, I cannot believe I just sat through the whole thing, believed it, and then like got fooled at the end. But I'm also excited to see who actually thinks that the story is real because they didn't get to the end. So there's all these tactics. And then his comments were blowing up because people were like finding that funny and all that. So that for me is a strategy that has worked. That for me is a strategy that I've seen writers talk about. And it's pretty much like a standard, almost a standardized template in terms of copy style on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, you know, there, there's other things too. It's, it's to be a better copywriter, you've got to, you know, read. And I'm not like the best book reader. I might have great bookshelves, but I consume content all the time. I'm listening mm -hmm. to podcasts. You know, I'm reading like articles. I'm practicing writing like via LinkedIn at work, writing copy for brand channels, you know, like you said, like avoiding the fluff, really, you know, cutting it down, making the most impactful kind of like storytelling pieces. And I'm only getting better with time because again, it all just takes practice and consistency. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that too, because I feel like I didn't study enough of the other people that were doing really well at the beginning and like looking at the comments and like looking, engaging in the comments. Cause I feel like that's where like a lot of like the good ideas come from. Cause you're just sitting there and you're like reading what they wrote, you know, and then you go down to the comment section and you're checking out like kind of like the sentiment of all everyone in the comments. And then that's when I kind of just take screenshots of stuff. And then I have like a little file now where I just like look through there and kind of look for just things to kind of get inspired by. Cause you know, if it, it kind of going back to what you said, if it's working for them, it's probably going to work for other people. You don't have to necessarily copy it, but you can kind of see like what they did and how people responded to it. Cause I feel like that, that feedback loop, you need a little bit of that feedback. And in, until you start posting and getting consistent with the posting, you're not going to really have that, that feedback Because the other day I posted something, I think about, <laughs> it was kind of making fun of my dad, but I actually got a little bit in trouble by someone, not in trouble, but someone got mad at me on LinkedIn about like ageism because there was a meme on there about basically like how people, there's a plenty of people that are making six figures that are like in the boomer generation that don't know how to open a PDF. And I was laughing because I was like, that sounds like my dad. Like he doesn't know how to open a PDF, but he's like great at making money. But then he commented on people uh, essentially working at like Starbucks, you know, having like advanced degrees and all this shit. So like it was, it was his like kind of like knock at, you know, millennials generations for like not making money or whatever. And I, it was more of an observation, you know, but I, I, at the same time, I was like, I knew that it felt a little weird, but I was like, just curious to see if like people would be upset by it. And it, for the most part, everyone was pretty chill, but there was a couple of people that were saying like, Hey, like that's ageism. And I, I totally get that. So I'm always kind of, I try to be like in the middle and not ever like controversial, but sometimes it is interesting when you test the lines on accident. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, right, it's like not everybody believes the what you believe. Not everybody feels the way that you feel. Like there's so many friends that I have that are so on the opposite side of like the spectrum. Like I have like friends that have believed conspiracy theories and I was just like, oh my, my God. But you know what? I took a step back and I was like, 
like why like let's talk about it right because i think we as like a as a society now have kind of like if you don't believe what i believe i don't even want to talk to you i don't want to see you like i understand that there's like like the time and place but i also think that a lot of people like deserve a ground to have a one-on-one conversation to see why like what what made you the way that you are that you believe in this system that's how you viewed this positioning that's how you viewed this post whatever but you know i think you handled it in like such a great way where you're like you know what like yeah this you know for the most part it's 99 positive and then i had this one percent that didn't believe it but learn from it moved on <laughs> try to keep it pc you know i wasn't slandering them and that was that yeah no it's really interesting i, I just feel like a lot of people can be a little bit there's a lot of people that are very chill but then they're all the the few that are maybe a little bit uptight so it's maybe just a little bit more conscious on my part but it was it, it, uh, yeah it, it, but I think that it's sometimes you need to like find those guardrails at times and it's better to like actually just go out there and I think explore and try things versus like sitting back and being like a someone on the sidelines. And I think that you can, you know, over time, like you're going to find that you're going to find like what resonates with your audience. Like you're going to be able to still stay true to you. And as long as like you're, you or no, anybody else isn't like slandering each other on the, on a, like these platforms. And I think like, it's all, it's fine. It's all going to be like a learning and growing experience. Cause again, like, everybody has listeners that are unique or viewers that are unique. Everyone has opinions that are unique. Like there's a lot of people that won't even receive the same like messaging as you. Right. So you think about like copywriting and they tell you a lot of times is um, write how you speak. Mm -hmm. Right. And ultimately that's going to convey like, it's going to convey your tonation like via text, but not a lot of people do that. Right. They try to be a little bit more PC. So then you curate this message and your audience looks at it, but doesn't receive this, the message the same way you intended it to come out. So I think that that can be problematic too. So it's, you know, perception is a big deal in a lot of these, but again, I just think like if, if people stay like authentic to to themselves and not slandering others, then it can be, you know, it's going to be a learning experience either way. Do you, do you read your uh, content out loud? Cause I've read also that some people do that just to I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's because like, there's definitely times where maybe I'm putting a word in that's not there on the page because I'm in my head, it's there type of thing. So I don't, I don't know if you do that. I just had a curiosity. So I don't, but I do know people that do that as well. I probably should, to be completely honest, because I feel like it would make me a stronger writer. But I think I have so much, like I have so much going on that sometimes I feel like, especially working in an agency, like for like brands, I'm like, okay, I need to do this write the copy. Then I go back, take a little bit of time off, review it again. And then I'll find all those like errors or whatever, review it a third time. Then I pass it off to a team member. They review it, making sure everything's fine. And then they have, we have a final loop within our team as well. Again, I feel like if I read it out loud, it might slow me down, but it also might add another layer of like great content for myself. Personally, I just kind of like vomit onto a page and that's it. Usually it's like, usually I'm like walking to my car and I'm like, I have this idea. And I'm like putting it into my notes. Like none of it is cohesive. It's like the spell check is all off. And I was like, and then I look at it in the morning. I'm like, was I drunk? Like looking, like writing this? Like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Mom I got it. An answer to say no. I get it. I was in Grammarly last night, like just jotting down some like ideas. Just, I started doing that more. So like, I would try to just usually just do posts like on the fly with like, you know, spend like 10 minutes or whatever. But now I'm trying to be like a little bit more methodical and do them like, you know, a day or two in advance. So I could just edit a little bit more and have a little bit more time with it. Cause I feel like sometimes I'm a little bit rushed myself and it's my own fault for for causing my, I think that there's something to do with like deadlines and just you know when you only limit yourself to so much time you just get shit done versus like mm-hmm. if you allow yourself too much time you could just sit and do nothing 
So I don't know. There's a little bit of that going on too. Professional procrastinators. <laughs> Professional. My last question for you though um, is I, I love this one site that I came across called Copy Blogger. I obviously listen to like a lot of like audio audiobooks, um, like Start With Why, Simon Sinek. Is there any places that you go for like inspiration as far as like uh, digital marketing or books or anything of that nature? Yeah. So I love that you brought up, um, copy blogger. I think that that was one that I found like a long time ago and ultimately I actually added it to like a list of, um, resources that I, that I had like kept for quite some time. I think it depends, right? Like for me, most of my resources are going to be, um, social media related. And I actually just like recently, what's it called recently, like wrote a piece or not a piece, but wrote a um, LinkedIn post that I don't want to say it went viral, but it was like my most viral piece of content. So awesome. I just opened it. So right here has about 75,000 impressions, Jeez. Um, 920 likes, 146 comments, 82 shares. Damn. So that was, <laughs> that's gangster. Dude, it was so <laughs> sick. I was like, I didn't even think about it, but. It was one of those things that I had like had for so long over my like social media career. I would like have this running dock of resources that I basically like rough. I was thinking about a piece of content that I should like write one day. Right. And I was like, eh, I don't like, might as well just put this out there without even thinking about it. Like I was like, oh yeah, I'll get like 10 likes or something. 90 like, shares. That's insane. I was like, okay, but I think, I can I think cause we were, I think cause we work in this, like, you know, like when I tell my dad, like, oh, this so-and-so shared this piece of content or whatever he's like what does that fucking mean so i, I get it i understand yeah. that's like a pretty big deal that's a fucking really good piece i was like super super stoked on it but i can definitely list kind of like all the resources that i had covered copy blogger was definitely on there i did later blog planly blog buffer blog social media today social media week morning brew hubspot blog sprout social blog TechCrunch, ad week instagram blog forbes mashable the verge Digiday, why is this interesting? The social minds, TikTok for business. Love that. There's a lot that I constantly, I feel like I've created like an RSS feed for and or like follow on like social, um, social and do like email lists. So those are like my primary go-tos. And before anybody asks of like how I even like manage to keep up with those, I don't. I pick a few that I love and then sometimes like cross-reference others because you have to understand like, or not you, but others, right? It's like for social media blogs, a lot of like a lot of updates are going to come specifically from like TikTok. So if I'm following TikTok on say Twitter, right. Mm. Or Twitter comms, they're going to give me like up first news. Now that up first news will then get trickled down through all of these blogs. So a lot of them get like cross posted, the same information will go live. Um, you'll see the same posts, like kind of across LinkedIn and all that. So it's finding a couple that work for you, finding kind of like the, the maybe social media that you like, how they promote their content or whatever, and then going from there you can always add or remove or edit no i love that i i love mashable too and some of those other ones you mentioned in there i need to go check out um but yeah i appreciate the time maria if people will want to reach out how do they find you jeremy i appreciate you as well but i am on linkedin my name is spelled a little differently but it's linkedin.com slash in slash maria specter so it's m-a-r-i-y-a-s-p-e-k-t-o-r from there i think that's the best way in terms of anything social media related i have personal other channels but that this is the one i'm most active on in terms of like actually giving content that's maybe not like spin related yeah that that content that you create is pretty awesome so definitely go follow maria on her linkedin Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Maria Spector. I know I enjoyed speaking with her. She's a very smart girl, 
great follow on LinkedIn. She also has a podcast uh, over on Spotify as well about relationships. But yeah, I hope everyone's having a safe holiday season and and uh, staying safe. I'm actually recording this on a new unit, the Roadcaster Pro 2. Definitely worth uh, checking out. It's definitely an upgrade from the other unit, which was already pretty amazing. And one last thing, if you enjoy 3PL Live, I'd appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple or Spotify. And then if you are a TMS customer, go to 3plsystems.com, check out our website, and then also the blog. We share a lot of things there as well. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.